Welcome to Chinuch Today. I am your host, Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield. Please join me as we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. This is Yerachmiel Garfield and today we are going to depart from our normal format, our normal focus, which is on innovative ideas and the people behind them. Today we're going to talk about a builder of Chinuch in America and Australia. Rabbi Shalom Streicher has been in Chinuch for years and years. He has been the principal in maybe five or six schools, as you will hear, that he ended up going to Australia for the last bit, and now he's retired living in Harnof. And this summer, when I was in Eretz Yisrael, I had the opportunity to sit down with him, talk to him about his journey, his experiences, and some of his reflections after so many years in Chinuch. I am always amazed by the people who were in Chinuch 20, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, the truth is, the Chinuch scene in America only goes back in in full to the 50s and 60s. And those people who were pushing the envelope at that time, like Rav Shraga Mandelovich, but not only him, all the individual principals who were out there in the field, Rabbi Alexander Gross, Rabbi Nachum Zev Dessler, and others, there are many others, were building Chinuch, and especially the day school system at that time, it wasn't easy. Now, Rabbi Streicher is not that old. He was not part of the first cadre of educational leaders. But when he started, it wasn't what it was today. It wasn't as big. There wasn't as much funding in it. It wasn't as found in all the different cities as you'll hear. He had to move. He moved to a lot of interesting places, including New Orleans and other cities like that. And so he, in a very real way, built the Chinuch system that we are part of. So I always find those experiences intriguing and the people intriguing. And it was great to sit down with someone with that level of experience and vision and to hear his passion and his honesty. And one could truly see why he was the right man for the job. This is a man who was extremely sincere, hardworking, caring, and really put in the years to build Kleisrael in a number of different cities and in the different types of environments, different types of schools. He did some of the Kirov schools. He did more yeshivish schools. And I have early memories of Rabbi Streicher. I don't think I mentioned it to him, but early on, many years ago, he was in Providence when I was a young boy. And we had cousins who lived in Providence. We visited for Shabbos. And he has a very distinct sound and a very distinct feel. Rabbi Streicher, he's not very tall. But he has a kayak, he has an energy, and he has an, a positivity to him. And I remember me and my brother were there together. We were young kids, probably 10 years old, so some time ago. And one of us, I forgot if it was me or my brother, got Galila. Whatever was going on with Galila, it wasn't going so smoothly, so they helped us out. And then Rabbi Strecher said the classic line, at least to me and Brother Slam, which is, now you're cooking with gas. And he said it in such a, a fun way. It stuck with us all these years. And as you will hear, Rabbi Streicher is a very entertaining speaker, very energetic and thoughtful. And it's amazing to see that all these years, from the time I first met him in Providence, Rhode Island, you know, 30-some years ago, 35, 40 years ago, to today, uh, Rabbi Streicher is very much still cooking with gas. So I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you also pull inspiration from people like Rabbi Streicher, who did so much for Chinuch. Here's Rabbi Streicher, recorded live in Harnof, Yerushalayim, this summer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. I'm here in the beautiful Harnof, Jerusalem Hills. On the way here, I was looking over. You get such a beautiful view of, of the hills around Yerushalayim here in Harnof with a esteemed Machanach, Rabbi Sholem Streicher. And uh, we're looking forward to learn from Rabbi Streicher about how you got into Chinuch and all the different things you've done and some of your insights. So Rabbi Streicher, where were you born? Born in um, New York. Oh! Born in New York. And uh, my first four <coughs> years of life, I grew up in Bensonhurst. Got it. And was, 18th Avenue. What did it look like then? It was full of Jewish immigrants or whatever, right? Yeah, they, I it was very Jewish. Say it it was, or uh, you know, um, first generation uh, born in America. But mainly at that point, there's little that I remember from that age. 
but uh, there's no doubt, you know, looking at photos, yes, <laughs> were those who uh, came uh, to America either be right before, uh, you know, or in between the two big world world, mm -hmm. you know, and... Um, okay, and then where'd you go after Benzinghurst? Moved to Miami Beach, Florida. Whoa! And I wasn't asked whether I wanted <laughs> to go. I guess they just took why, me. Why did they go? My uh, father, Zekronikovrocha, was not well. And mm -hmm. my bub and Zeta, my mother's parents, Aleya Mashalem, lived with us and so on. And they were getting older. And we had a mishpach uh, in Miami Beach. And he said, you know what? So that uh, was it. And we went there, and the next thing is my uncles, who lived in Borough Park, and um, made a decision to move to Florida. And this is before the exodus from During, other states. You were pioneers. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, very different uh, Miami Beach growing up. Yeah, you didn't Did see you go to the day school? Was went, there a day school? Went to public school for the first uh, five years. Hmm. Was a um, kindergarten runaway, which probably launched my chinuch <laughs> career. <laughs> Literally. I believe it. Uh, you know, was there no Jewish schools at the time? Your parents there chose... Were, there were, but uh, there was an inner tension... Um, in terms of, uh, you know, what are we doing? What are we going to do? Like Parnassa? Uh, no, mm -hmm. no. Just identity. Just identity and whatever. Really? Interesting. Yeah. But because Miami Beach was not the Miami Beach that it is now or even 10 years ago. I mean, so uh, they said... Interesting. You know, and there was no real reach out in a sense, it's sort of, not sort of, uh, if you didn't approach it, nothing. You, you know. You, were you, did you belong to a synagogue at that time? Yeah. Who were the rabbis? Beth Jacob, we, uh, David and the oldest uh, shul, in, uh, because we lived on South Beach. Hmm. All right. Uh, today, South Beach is um, a danger zone. <laughs> but uh, regardless... And uh, Davin at Beth Jacob on Third mm. and Washington, and um, the tension. My Zeta wanted me to be in yeshiva. Mm. You know, day school wasn't a terminology. You know, said cheder. Daf Marain setzen cheder. Put him in the cheder, and my parents just were so hesitant, and you know what's going to be. And they had friends that said, what's going to happen with your son? Because my two older brothers, one is, was Nifter just uh, two years ago from COVID, but mm. both of them and my other brother who lives in Memphis uh, went to public school. There were no options for them because of what grade level and so on. So that's where I went for the first five years. And then? And then... Uh, there was a um, cataclysmic event. Whoa, you heard it here. Yes, Rabbi Streicher. My, uh, uh, my uh, parents, Zechrona Mavrocha, convinced my Zayde to come to the school play, the public school uh -oh. play. Not as if he was going to understand the, all the English, but regardless, they thought, oh. Let him get nachas. A little nachas. Well, um, <laughs> it was uh, a uh, play that um, had some singing for the season. And I remember where my Zeta sat in the school auditorium. After the singing of Noel... I don't know if my Zeta just left or had passed out on the floor. <laughs> but wow. the reality was the next day was the tension. He, he left. He mamish, you know, left. Next <coughs> was the tension. Wow. He got up early. 
he always got up early because he went to Davin. And uh, I would get up early, uh, but to watch Twinkie, okay? And I said to my sitters, usually after you come back from shul, before I uh, go to school, uh, you usually have your coffee, black coffee, whatever it is, etc. She says, Heint, today we're going for a walk. He said it in Yiddish. I said, Zeta, I have to go to school. And does mommy know? And, you know, whatever. He says, Kidnapping. And he uh, took me to the day school. Wow. Without asking my parents. Wow. And uh, by the time I came home, okay, my Zeta had taken me to the day school. Rabbi Gross, the Krona Gavrocha, the principal of principles, in other words, brilliant, Zikrona Gavrocha, and he said to my Zeta, Shia, where is parents? And in Yiddish, Zorzachnish, don't worry. Are you worried about tuition? He asked him. Uh, you know, my Zeta asked Rabbi Gross, and he, he says, because I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Mm. So we get home. By then, the principal of the public school called, called me by my English name, had called my mother, and um, where is, he, he wasn't here, you know? She said, I don't, I don't know. All right. So by the time I got home, my mother had gotten the call already, and then it began. Wow. And then it began. But the clincher, the clincher was, it was a pretty, um, in Yiddish and Polish, which I didn't, you know, understand, it was a little heated. And it went on for about 10 minutes or whatever, in a respectful way, but I was out in the hallway and, uh, you know, and the clincher was, you know, my Zeta turned to my mother Okay, and said to her, quote her by her English name and Yiddish name, and he said, Sprinze, wer wird sagen Kaddish, nach Eich and Motto. That was it. And. Uh, Can you translate for our listening audience? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she called my mother by her Yiddish name, Sprinze and said, tell me, who is going to say Kaddish for you and for Muttel, your husband, wow. my father? Okay. And one's mindset today isn't necessarily in what was then, you know, when were more Yidden coming to shul. Right. And they came, when, when did they come? They came three times a year. Not everybody. And it, it, Miami Beach was not New York or Chicago or whatever. And uh, Kaddish, and just doing the brachas for your bar mitzvah on the Torah was a big undertaking, you know, whatever. But, wow, uh, so what was that like for you to transition to a Jewish school? That was part of the uh, quincher for going into Chinuch. Uh, not just Rabbi Gross, but the Rebbeim and the teachers and so on were so accommodating in the sense of knowing that it's going to be an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and my first Rebbe was uh, Zikrona Gavrocha, Rabbi Gottesman, Rabbi Menachem Gottesman, who, uh, after he left uh, Miami Beach, it was because he went to Los Angeles, what today is Harkham Hillel Academy mm. in Los Angeles, is what uh, he uh, helped build in the sense of the chinuch and the quality of the chinuch and so on. I was about to say it was payback time, meaning payback to a world that I was introduced to by Rabbi Gottesman, 
Rabbi Horowitz, Zichrono Levrocha, Rabbi Parush, the the verbatim, you know, and it also included, uh, which has come in handy over the years and now, that we had Ivrit teachers. Mm. And... uh, Okay. So you were there through 12th grade? I was there through 8th, and then... Um, Rabbi Rotman Zichroni uh who was here in Eretz Yisrael uh, later on, Merkaz HaTorah and his Rebbe, Rav Christ. He was a Rav. He was the Rav. He was a Rav there, there but yeah. his big push, we have to make him a Sifta. Mm. And um, the thought of him a Sifta in Miami Beach, you know, mm. uh, but... Rabbi Rotman, Rabbi Gross, Rabbi Horowitz, others went to Rebar and Cutler, Zikrona uh, Levrocha, and um, he gave them some clues, more than clues, Eitzah Tova, as to how and what. And... Uh, Who started it? Who was the first... Uh Hanhoga was really those Rabbi uh-huh. Gross. It was Rabbi, a local thing. Yeah, it was uh, Rabbi mm. Rothman and Rabbi Horowitz. And uh, we borrowed uh, the general studies uh, principle uh, mm. from the academy, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, amongst these suggestions is you have to start it with the right class. Mm-hmm. It's doing the right thing right. And even though the pressures in those days, etc., but indeed um, the first group of uh, Talmudim, you know, the first uh, Koyas was an incredible group of teenagers, mm. you know, and I was able to be in the second Koyas, and there was a third Koyas, and the Masifta continued, changed names or whatever, but it had a tough go. Uh, parents who were interested in yeshiva would send their boys away. Right. It's a so, common, it's an issue even yeah, today. Yeah, right. Send yeah. their boys away. So that's, um, so... Okay. Any rebellion in high school that stick out that you... Um, yeah, well, they all, mm-hmm. really. One was Reb Gershon Wine, Reb Talmud, Mufok of Rav Hutner. And... Um, the other Rebbeim, Rabbi Simon, Rabbi Groner, were Telsers very close to Reb Matul Katz. And these were uh, the initial uh, set of Rebbeim and so on. So, Did you feel connected to the broader Olamatara? Since you lived in Miami, I could feel like you're so separate. It's not like that, today. That was all of it, meaning when I say all of it. <laughs> Miami Beach... You know, uh, you learn. If you don't, you don't take advantage of opportunities that come your way. As a kid, I didn't know, you know, what I just said didn't have a lot of mm. meaning, except that the rebellion that I had grown close to already were close to in the sense of understanding and therefore, when Rebar and Zatzal came to Miami mm. Beach, not for vacation, for Mamish, to, you know, it's where the snowbirds went in terms of... Uh, fundraising. Yeah, fundraising. And Rav Kalmanovich, Rav from the Mir. Okay. Panovich Rav, I think. Yeah, yeah, the Panovich Rav. So you met all of these? Met, had the opportunity to, the Rebbeim schlepped me. Uh, when I say schlepped me, uh, amongst those that I had the opportunity, I was still a teenager after my Mar Mitzvah was the Satmar Rebbe. Wow. But I, I wasn't totally prepared. I um, Many of your listeners won't, perhaps even know what was a madras jacket 
a madras jacket was a, like a sport jacket, mm-hmm. you know, not a suit, multicolored. It was tie-dyed in India, whatever <laughs> it is. And I went in, uh, you know, um, to right. see the Rebbe on Shabbos in my madras jacket. Rebbe didn't say anything, uh, you know, the whatever, at the Shalashudas uh, Tish. Chassidim had some <laughs> bewilderment in their face. Or in Miami. And listen. what came out, they didn't think I understood Yiddish. Mm-hmm. So, what can I tell you? But the impact, the impact, and there were other rebbeim, Rashi Yeshiva, Rebbes that would come, and whenever they did, uh, and it's hard to describe just what the experience was and the impact when I was 14, 15 years old. Wow. And then after high school, I'm waiting to hear where you well, went. After well, all this. after... They, I hope after, they didn't decide to open a base medrash on you. No, no, <laughs> no. After high school, uh, I first went to... Uh, Yitzchak Achanan Yeshiva University mm-hmm. for a short period of time. And uh, then, during my teenage years, very involved in NCSY and so on, a very close relationship with uh, Rabbi Stoper, Rabbi Pinchas Stoper. And, and he saw that I was in a, you know, not the happiest state in terms of... Uh, getting used to being away from Miami Beach, but also the, um, what I was looking for, all right? And I uh, had a wonderful Rebbe at YU and uh, the Mashkiach, uh, Rav Lesson and the Beis Medrash, but um, Rabbi Stoper and I informed my uh, mother, my father was, uh, had been nifter and told her what I was going to do. And she said, where did you get this idea? I said, you know, she says, how are you going to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, etc." And I said, this is, you know, and that's what Rabbi Stoper took me to Rav Huttner. Wow. Was that the first time you, you had met him? Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that I had met him at a uh, chasana once before in Miami Beach. Mm where uh, someone had brought him in, okay. but that meeting was... And you were going to Bishal Eitza, like how to approach your mother or what to do? What was the premise of the meeting? The, <laughs> no, by then, my mother, it was... My mother is insistent and was insistent and, you know, that I get a... What kind of degree? Yeah, etc. Mm-hmm. So, in those days... They're still there, which is night school. Right. You know, at 6, 6.30, people that are in the working place, etc. So the Rosh Shiva, we talked about it and what the parameters were going to be in that regard. And in and of itself, it's chinuch itself when you hear those eights. And indeed, uh, Chaim Berlin then had moved already from East New York all right, and they had rented a place in uh, Far Rockaway, and um, I rented a room there because they didn't really have a formal dormitory. Mm-hmm. They rented an old school building, public school building, and so on. And wow. some of the Oilem went to the Koilo, even though they weren't married yet. Koilo Goraya in Crown Heights. I was in Far Rockaway, and um, the next chapter started to unfold. In terms of Berlin. learning, and, but also there was a period of time where Reb Shoimer Freifeld was the mashkiach. When I came in, Rav Miller, Zikrona Levrocha, was the mashkiach, but it, he decided, and the Rosh Hashiva did too, that Going to Far Rockaway, you know, I got a sense was every day they're coming from East Flatbush. So whatever, so it was decided some would stay here. 
in Far Rockaway, others would be brought over to the Kailo to learn and so on. And uh, had an incredible opportunity to uh, talk and learn and uh, get a little close. Mm. It was a short period of time with Rip Schleimer Freifeld. It's always interesting to me how, in my mind, Rav Huttner and Rav Freifeld were so different, yet he was a Talmud of Rav Huttner. I think of Rav Huttner as distant, a little um, hard to connect to unless he wanted to, and Rav Freifeld is Mr. Love Em All, and uh, I just think of them totally differently. In a sense, from the outside, and maybe there are those on the inside that may have that, you know, perception, but... It's interesting, just a few days ago, someone asked me, who doesn't miss a Shabbos without learning something from Rabbi Miller, Mm -hmm. Victor Miller, you know, they have a... Yeah, they put out all sorts of stuff. Yeah, all sorts of things. So this person asked me, says, don't you think the contrast between the Balmusser, you know, and the Roshiver of Huttner... Yeah, how did that work? Right. You know, uh, etc. And um, I said, well, you got to be on the inside. I wasn't really on the inside. <coughs> I had chaveirim that are still sitting in base medrash learning. Hmm. So I said, the Vashiva, you know, his personality was extremely broad and. When Talmidim had covered Hatayra, they need to understand that Eilu ve'Eilu Divrei Kim Chayim, in the sense of not on a opposing halachic issues, whatever. Talmidim need to have exposure to proper things, obviously, but also to personalities. Hmm. Right? Now, whether the Rashiva ever discussed that with others, I don't know, but it's something that over the course of the years that I was able to be in Chaim Berlin, the, the term I will use in Yiddish is Nadafa Rein Chapen. You have to take advantage. grab, mm. grab the advantage. And indeed, you know, uh, mm. the rebellion that I had growing up Sounds like it. Just one was an Eretz Yisrael Dike, grew up here, etc., uh, went, you know, grew up further in Chicago, and it, there was a rich diversity of personality and experience. And, and, and you know, uh, there's what to learn, Nicole. Uh, right. So when did Chinuch become something that you knew you were going to be doing, and how did you transition from yeshiva to Chinuch? I. How did I transition? There were uh, facilitators and things which facilitated, etc. One was, and I know that uh, we're living in a different world today, literally, etc. But uh, I belong to NCSY. I belong to B'nai Akiva. While you were in Chaim Berlin? Uh, not in Chaim Berlin, but oh. in high school. high school. In other words, okay. how do you get to a decision, a life's, what can I tell you, critical decision, is uh, the ground has to be prepared. Okay. It's, uh, you know, not a drop-in uh, profession. Right. Right. you got to have a fire in your gut, like they say, yeah. and that's what you pursue. So I was... Um, Involved in NCSY, and then, you know, an advisor when there were conventions and this, that, the other, which allowed me to get a peek into the world of the pulpit rabbinate. Mm -hmm. Okay, just, you know, uh, as a teenager growing up, you know, went to to different places, Savannah, Atlanta, made, you know, made acquaintance with... uh, the, the rabbis and so on. And then when I had to make a decision about a major, I went to the Rosh Hashiva and, you know, and discussed what did I want to continue to do in university, etc. We talked it through and in terms of the maintenance of uh, storm and learning. So um, I informed my family 
then came, uh, you know, and discussed that with the Rosh Shiva, and indeed uh, decided on a, a certain Mahalach. And in the meantime, I was being asked to go to, you know, uh, just out of uh, high school, etc. But uh, to be an advisor, to be an advisor, and mm. so on. And um, no, not a lawyer, not a doctor. Uh, also, mm. not the hotel business. My parents were in that business. Oh, really? Yeah, Miami. Yeah, Miami Beach. Uh, and um, you know, what was your first chinuch job? My first chinuch job was a rescue job. What does that mean? But it's a tough one to say today because I'd like your podcast to continue. <laughs> but Those are the best things, uh, Rabbi. Oh, listen, what can I tell you? Um, we were uh, living, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, necessary because uh, it's not negative about it, but you'll see in a moment if you have to cut it, which is uh, because of health, we were living down south, meaning, uh, I could say it, Memphis. Okay. My, my wife is from Memphis. That's a separate story, how we met. But regardless, uh, so there was a thing called integration. And it wasn't a thing. Oh, you mean of African Americans and African Americans yeah. and to okay. schools, and um, a lot of parents that did not have their children in um, a day school decided on. It's time to go to private school. It's time to go to private school, okay. and uh, you know the Memphis Hebrew Academy. It wasn't called Margolin, although the Margolins. Uh, incredible family, became the place, and I got a call from uh, the Menahel at that time, and he says, oh, I hear you're in town, and you're going to be here, you know, for a while, etc., and uh, would you mind coming by, if you can, to the office, and, mm. you know, so I went in, <laughs> and when I went in, there literally wasn't a long going. But there was a line of parents with children. Bring them in, wow. Uh, you know, so um, you convinced me, uh, you know, when it's a startup job and uh, learn what startup means. You what know, grade did you teach? Yeah, <laughs> because these children had not yet been privileged to learn Olive Face, mm. and they weren't all coming for preschool. Necessarily, there might have been. I ended up with, um, I don't have the right terminology, third, fourth, and fifth graders. Learning Hebrew. To learn olive base and wow. learn how to read. Wow. And at the same time, because a day school day is a day, you know, of X number of hours of Limude Kodesh and then whatever. So I had to, how am I going to fill in this time? You know, uh, Bible stories, third, fourth, and fifth graders, uh, you know. And I worked at it. It worked at trying to get them into the reading, all right? Um, and, Amazing. You know, before, you know, uh, some of today's techniques may uh, still be there, you know, or whatever, meaning you didn't have a computer. Right. You didn't have the forerunner of, uh, I can't say computers, they had uh, IBM produced, forgot the, the name of it. It really was more like a recorder and listening device. Mm. And the words or whatever were on flashcards, oh, big uh... flashcards with magnetic recording tape down of it. So if you had a picture of a dog, all right, they, they were made for obviously in the English language, Spanish, right. whatever, there was nothing for Hebrew. Wow. All right. And you put a dog picture, Kelev, they ran the card through, all right, they repeated the word. 
So whatever I could do, not just in that domain, but... Was Rav Nutter Greenblatt involved in the school? or he? When you say involved, he was a force from the outside. Mm-hmm. Not in a negative way, because he and other families were the ones who started the right, school. Right. But Rav Nutter was an incredible supporter. But also, uh, for me, although it wasn't daily contact, uh, if I needed to ask something, always available, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I first taught at the um, elementary level, primary school, and um, then I, the next year, all right, I had a group of incredible uh, seventh and eighth grade, you know, junior high students. And they're all incredible from those that were less skilled, more skilled, etc. But um, sounds like you're almost still in contact with them from that long ago. The way you talk about them, yeah, well, they're still part they of you. Are. Yeah, no, that I also I have uh, had a Rebbe Ralph Rothman, um, and uh, I learned from him also in the sense that whatever. Uh, he would come to visit, and he visited me, in every community. Wow. What was uh, amongst the things that he did? He had this black book with the names of Talmidim, their addresses and phone numbers, mm. and he got on the line and called them. How you doing? How you doing? Wow. Amazing. So. Special he, man. You know, that uh, is part of it. And then I continued, you know, I, teaching high school, which was a challenge of a different sort, all right? Because, uh, again, I had a group of boys, not all from the same grade right. level, etc., and uh, had a uh, really wonderful relationship with them, although um, they pulled every shtick on me <laughs> that they possibly could. And also at the same time, while I was in Memphis, I uh, was working uh, in the late afternoon and evening at the Shelby County Prison, Penal Farm. What were you doing there? Uh, Well, I I decided to put my bachelor's uh, to use in the sense of I had a close friend, uh, Bob Fink, Dr. Fink, a top psychiatrist, mm-hmm. all right, and um, part of the, the community and uh, wow. uh, and so on. So he asked me once, he said, how were you on uh, testing? You know, and I said, well, you know, it was part of the coursework. Well, we need those who are willing to, uh, you know, go in and... How did that... a set. How did that experience impact your view on Chinuch? Uh, first of all, there's um, a concept of inclusion. Now, I would really be uptight if I were a Rebbe teacher... If any of those, those that, particular uh, guys, yeah, right, yeah. okay, but so not to write them off as uh, not right, worthy, right? But also to understand more about that world, because mm. listen, there, to my knowledge, there were no Jews in mm. Shelby County Penal Farm <laughs> uh, when I uh, for uh, a year, year and a half, but. Uh, I learned about truthfulness, mm. about um, blaming others. Uh, Taking victim- responsibility, you mean, for who you are, what you've done, to really right. own it. Victimhood, mm-hmm. all right, uh, etc. Now, that's on that extreme end, right? right? right. Although it wasn't mm. until later where I experienced, because I wasn't sure do I want Rabbanis, 
phenol, you know, etc. And uh, you never know, you know. You so know. I know you were uh, in a number of places as a right. manal. Can you just walk us through quickly? Because if we do yeah. like this, but I, I mean, of course, there's a lot to learn from each, and then maybe I can right. ask you uh, some general. Yes, yes. So you were in Memphis. How long were you in Memphis for? We were there, Elaine uh, and I were there for three years. Okay. As three a rabbi, years. primarily as a teacher. Teacher. And then? And then I was offered um, a position as a Manaho. I was 24 years old. Wow. And uh, uh, Rabbi Gross, the Grono of Rocha, said, you know, time has come, you know. I said, I'm 24 mm. years old, you know. Uh, I still uh, am getting used to the chalk on the board, you know, etc. So he said, no. So I went for a job interview. As it turned out, I didn't think it was going to work out. All right, uh, community, no day school, all the way out mm. west, although I ended up up west, out west later on in my career. And from there, so I took a principalship, um, and uh, it was where I um, learned. How long were you there for? In the second one, two oh. days. I was in Memphis. Memphis, and then? Then I interviewed a pla place, and then I turned out there was another place. Okay, and, and where was that? And that was further down south in New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans, wow. In New Orleans. Uh, I was there for two and a half years. Okay. And um, very, I, I learned basic concept. Right. My Rebbe, Rav Rotman, shared with me. Hashem puts you where he wants you <laughs> to be. Hmm. If you plug in the ACES, think it through this, and you end up somewhere, you won't understand until years later. I can't tell you what year my Rebbe said, but you'll begin to understand a little bit more Interesting. about why and who. Right. And uh, how it played into your story and. Uh, right. And, and it, I can honestly say that uh, whatever was accomplished was accomplished because of the rebellion that I was privileged to work with and bring to a community. And, uh, you know, from New Orleans, I went to Savannah, Georgia, more on the Rabbanist side of it. Uh, oh really? In Savannah, yeah. okay. Savannah, and then and uh, from uh, Savannah, Providence, Rhode Island. Providence, Rhode Island was that we were there for thirteen years. Wow! Oh, five years in Savannah, thirteen years in Providence. Providence, then on to Cleveland. Which school in Cleveland? Hebrew Academy. Hebrew Academy, but first I was at the Masifta. Mm -hmm. All right, and then shifted over to so elementary uh, school. That's right, Dessler Hebrew Academy? Right. Okay, and then? And then from there, all right, we went to uh, go west. Young man, go west. We uh, went to Los Angeles after Cleveland. What school was that? I was uh, first at Eula, okay, and then at Amic. Oh, wow, okay. How long were you in, Florida, in California for? Seven years. Something like that, okay. And then? And then Australia. Whoa! I was offered an opportunity uh, in a, another community in the States. Discussed it with my Rebbe and other, uh, and... Uh, How long Rebbe asked me, yeah. what do you want? So I said, I don't want to burn out. So he said, go to Melbourne, Australia. We were offered the opportunity to be interviewed. They have a certain thought in mind as to what they want to do. We'll talk about that, all right? But there's nothing like, I'll use the word, a new adventure. I don't remember the word Rebbe used. Right energizes a person wow and that was uh, that was a decision how long were you there for in Australia seven years wow and that and now 
Now you're in Eretz Yisrael. Now was... I'm in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Would I have liked to stay on? Uh, I would have loved to have stayed on. But you begin to realize that if your grandchildren, you're missing out. Right. Even though the love for the Talmudim and, and watching them and helping them grow and they help you grow, etc. But I felt the time had come. All right. And it's also every country has its own laws, approaches, culture, etc. Mm-hmm. Staying there if you're not a citizen is not a simple thing. Got it. All right. Uh, you know, in the terms of health, other issues, okay. and, and yeah. so on. A person doesn't need a whole lot of convincing to come to Eretz Yisrael, but right. uh, no, I understand no. what you're saying. Wow. Yeah. So that's a lot of experiences and a lot of different right. places. I, so many different angles to approach it. One is to say, what advice would you have given your younger self when you were looking at New Orleans, which was the first principal job? Right. You know, in retrospect, would you have given yourself any advice about where to move or why to move or... The landscape has changed under my feet. Mm -hmm. Meaning that what I would advise today may not... It can never cover all the bases, but may not hit all of the bases that need to be either checked off or thought about mm-hmm. further, etc. And uh, there are the technical, logistical things that need to be dealt with as one is making a decision to move to wherever. Mm-hmm. All right? They're not only financial in nature. Did you understand? You probably didn't understand those as well then as you right. do now. <laughs> right. In other words, uh, so, <laughs> it, it's hard to describe. First of all, uh, you know, I would advise somebody, um, my father, and I'm going to skip yeah. one of the things he advised me, which was, okay. My father in Rocha was an accountant. And he served on boards over the years, you know, at, at his show or, you know, other things. And he says, can I give you um, a lesson before you launch into a career, either in the rabbinate or principalship? Yeah. Yeah. I said, what is this, Dad? Uh, you know what? He said, did you ever look at a financial statement I said well maybe one day I you know says well you know like your, your, your bank account says because your you know monthly bank report uh, you know whether you go green or whether it's paper whatever in those days there weren't issues <laughs> that he says well you know do you know what an asset is do you know what a liability is? I said, well, I, know how to tra- I think I know how to translate those words. He said, I have seen more principals and rabbis have difficulty with the supporters of the school and the board, executive board, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, because they don't know what that world is about. You don't have to become a financial advisor. Just understand that. From a financial standpoint, he says it doesn't stop there. Everybody has got assets. And everybody has liabilities. Now, liabilities don't have to be shrekel, awesome, fearful, you know, a liability. He says... You have human liabilities. And he said, the thing to learn is don't let your liabilities eat up your assets. I said, well, you know, and he gave me a few, you know, examples. 
which are more on the interpersonal human level, what, what that means, what that means. So I would advise that, and the other is uh, that um, you, you have to, wherever you are, here, wherever, you have to be aware of what is going on around you that has impact on a student. You know, you mean in the general culture or in the general community? general culture? Because mm. it depends where you are, you know, and uh, the, you know uh, mm. you can't go to certain places where the culture doesn't come in in some form or fashion, and you have to determine how you know uh, you uh, you you deal with, with that. With regard to the lay leaders, so you've probably dealt with a whole bunch of them. I imagine. Twelve, twelve um, presidents? presidents in the course of close to 50 years. Uh, okay. So what would you describe are the characteristics that you've experienced that make an exceptional lay leader? If there is a lay leader listening, what, what are lay leaders, what's the difference between an okay lay leader and a great lay leader? Uh, I, I think it applies to a lot of uh, domains. First of all, uh, a president or a leader, you know, the chairman, whatever, uh, they have to be respected. Mm. By the uh, community? What? By the community, you mean? Not just by the community. You have to look at a lay person, a president or whatever, not as an adversary. And I've seen that in, you know, where there's a clash. And you have to figure out by helping them understand what is the school about. You say, well, wait a minute, somebody's lived in the community. That doesn't mean necessarily unless they've been on the board for a number of years. So they need to get a sense of the school. Mm -hmm. And uh, it needs to start with uh, having them come and visit for a day. In other words... <laughs> Not to be scared of them, but see them as a But ally. also, they need to understand... Do they need to really get to know the school? To, to get to know mm. the school. Its shortcomings, its assets, its liabilities, its challenges, whether it's in the physical domain, whether it's in the curricular domain. Not to set the curriculum, mm. but to understand. You know, uh, I look back and see the pressure sometimes that were applied uh, to me by, you know, uh, well, why aren't we inculcating this particular Ivrit program into the school? I said, because it just, it's not plug and play. Your teachers, this, they, they don't necessarily, from the world in which they're coming, they may understand certain things about the school. Mm. But unless they've spent a day, all right, actually more, not just the drop-in, I'm having a meeting with the principal, uh, the dean. Right, right. But really understand the culture. and the Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also, there are things that go on in the community that uh, you, don't, you, you, you have to be a different type of politician. All right. You have to watch your... Uh, instant responses, all right? Meaning there are times that you got to go more forcefully, less, whatever, but always with uh, covered, uh, covered abrios, but also to recognize the good and the value and the friendship and the connect. And, mm. and, and that is um, important. You also have to realize that um, there's a key phrase, it's accountability. And you have to realize the fact that you get asked the question, uh, you don't have to go to the trenches right away. You, you really need to hear it out. And the lay leader, that's the education on that side as well, needs to be a good listener. So, you know, amongst the things that lay people get to know the school, okay, demonstrate by example, 
as a role model, as a leader, support for Torah, support for the school. Even when there's a criticism, how to deal with that with others in the community, not just coming from the principal of the dean, but mm-hmm. it's a partnership, a partnership, and realizing that. In your mind, do you have any, and I'm not going to ask you to no. bear them, but major mistakes that you say, oh yeah, these three times in my career I made a major mistake? Or is it like, you know, you, you pretty much feel that you've, you've done your best and, uh, you know, obviously things don't always work out perfectly. But uh, I was once shopping. I haven't lost it yet. Mm. I was once shopping. Okay. And I learned something that uh, my wife, my daughters, etc. And I had to pick something up for um, one of my uh, grandchildren, granddaughter. And I had to go into the children wear thing, etc. Uh, there's a thing called one size fits all, afsa. Mm-hmm. That's where mistakes happen. Kindalach, no matter their age, as well as adults, are not one size mm-hmm. fits all. You, you want to teach Aleph inevitably, there will be children, a child, more, that languages, when I say languages, just... Right, learn differently, right. different needs. And you have to be flexible, you're saying. Right, so if, if one size fits, you can't just take something off the rack yeah. and say, here, it's one it's size fits bed. all, right. all right, et cetera. Mm. That is, the, and you want to know, I mean, part of it is, is that uh, you have to sometimes go against the stream. And now, saying this, sometimes my grandchildren, grandchildren, children worry about shiduchim for the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. I had a tough group of boys in high school that I had. Uh, different ages, different reasons, uh, not yet into learning, and it was a difficult time. Uh, it was the Vietnam War, you know, so mm. what does that have well, to do with anything? There was a sense okay. of uh, yeah, so rebelliousness. Said, How am I going to do so I have to admit, um, you know, I took the boys, that group of boys, to um, two wrestling matches. Um, you know, that's great. Uh, 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 WWF. Uh, yeah, um, yo, uh, Haystack Calhoun. Okay. Etc. But these boys. Yeah, that's they, what they needed. They needed it. In Uh-oh. other words. And they, you know, uh, That's great. And enjoyed it, uh, you know, etc. Et so the point is, <laughs> and they were all at Kimat, I mean, no two were on the same. It wasn't a large group. I think it was eight, if I remember. Uh, How were you a different Manal the last year of your career versus the third year of your career? Uh, discipline. Self, what do you mean? Self-discipline, but how you uh, discipline high school students. Okay. And what works, what doesn't work. But, you know, it's, again, not one size fits all. But the first thing is, when you first enter the career, and when you exit the career, there is one one major priority and that never lose sight that it's about the children Mm -hmm. it's about the students I stopped using the word kids because Rav Gifter one time when I was uh, dressing a group of the the boys in uh, Cleveland uh, I used the word kids he says kids are not goats <laughs> All right. they're children they're gentlemen you know etc okay so that you know took a mm. while to sink in alright but 
the difference was you have to leave the same, you have to exit the active stage of being a mechanech the same way you came in. Not losing sight, number one priority, and number two, the area of discipline, and also how to better utilize the kaychus and kishroinus of the teaching staff, the rebbeim, mm. even, you know, and uh, I was, uh, by the time, you know, uh, the thought of leaving the active, you know, I thought about also uh, to get a better understanding of general education. And what I mean is not the courses they took at Memphis State about curriculum. Mm -hmm. They they're, were all important, uh, you know, except statistics. But I'm with you on that. Uh, regardless, <laughs> the, the, the point was that you, your, your teachers, your rebellion, uh, the, uh, aren't also not one size fits all. And if you, you just think, here's the curriculum, mm. and... You know, even you have your meetings and, you know, uh, workshops and this, that, the other. But the Rebbe, the Mora, the teacher. Also is a human being, right? Right. And, Has uh, strengths and weaknesses, interests no, and, and, and so on. needs, and, uh, right. My yearly uh, expression to the boys are, we wouldn't be giving you the opportunity for general studies if it was... Can they get Tyra? Okay. Mm. Why would we do that? So, if your parents decided, here's where you're going to be. My job, even though I wasn't the general studies principal, was to have an important and good relationship with the general studies principal. And in doing that, in Melbourne, my job was to vet every book. Mm vet every textbook, wow. vet every video that might be required, be required. Wow. Different than at the beginning. I never looked at it. I mean, listen, I got a wonderful general studies education in the Hebrew Academy of Miami, and then later on, you know, where I could go and learn experience. I know you had a lot of exposure to Gedoli Israel, Miami, Yeshiva. Yeah. Um, you were very involved in Torah Masora. I remember my early years when I used to go to the convention. Yeah. Before, in the Friar Talk Inn, I, I remember you announcing on Friday morning to put away the tefillin. I believe that was you. <laughs> you used to be the MC yeah, a little, right? Yeah, yeah. I was a, a convention gabai. Yeah, yeah. The convention That's gabai. It. Yeah, yeah. So you had a lot of exposure to Gedoli Israel and Shilas and Shuvas and Eitzes and this. Who was, if you had to really ask a major Chinuch Shaila, not because of your relationship right. with them, but more because of their understanding of Chinuch just stands out. Is there anyone in the last 40 years that you that you think of? You know, I don't No shop. one size. Uh, right, right. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. one size fits all. No, I don't shop, you know, Shailas in right. the sense of uh, where am I going to get the Kugel? Where am I going <laughs> to, you know, you establish a relationship. In the early years, you know, what has happened now is we know many of the Gedalim. So, Reb Shmuel, so Zayn Gazit needs a refua, you know, but by the same token, there were occasions when I spoke to Rav Hutner uh, in Yone Chino, mm. really interesting on many fronts. Uh, Reb David Cohen, not here in uh, in but in uh, yeah, he's States. still available. Baruch Hashem, he's still available. We call him, you know. It it is, you know, and and over the years, the others uh, sometimes Rav Palm, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes another Minsker. Not, I tried to analyze in my mind this Shaila, who fits. Who, who fits that this is something they're metopoled with. Right, right. And I won't spend a lot, a lot of time having to, you know, other than the Shaila itself and what's involved with the family or the Talmud or a Rebbe or making a curriculum choice about 
a particular thing. Right, and right, it's right. this, you know? So, and so, but for the years I was in Melbourne, uh, you know, it was Reb, Reb Shmuel, and uh, also uh, be, before that, when, however, you, you have to realize when you're living in a community where there are postkim, etc., so that in essence right. defines the. Right. Has to fit. Has to fit. You can't ask someone that they don't hold of and then right. they say, yeah. Next right. thing you know, right, right. what did you do? Right. Uh, you right. know, yeah. uh, etc. All right, we're going to wrap up. This has okay. been wonderful. Let me just ask you a final question is, you know, what would you like your legacy to be? Like, how would, in terms of a machanach, that people should associate you. They would say, Rabbi Streicher, he was a mechanach who... What's your dream that you want? My dream is that history <laughs> will look on me favorably. Meaning, there's no such thing as not having a confrontation. It's, you know, etc. over the years. Of whatever. So the legacy is that... Um, he really did love us. Mm. He missed us when we weren't there. Got to leave a legacy that you were a mensch and that you did care. And I wasn't always successful. You try your best. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is wonderful. And it's All great right. to, to learn from you and see your chias. Well, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Rabbi Streicher and hearing his story starting as a young man and moving on to uh, Memphis, and then from there to all the other adventures and chinuch jobs that he took. And as you can hear, this is a man who's committed his life to Klal Yisrael, and it's wonderful for more people to hear his story, to draw inspiration, and I'm happy that you were able to join me on today's episode. As you know, sharing is caring. Please share our podcast with others who might be interested. Our listenership is growing, Baruch Hashem. As always, I'm interested in your feedback and your thoughts and your guest ideas. You could send me an email at chinochtodaypodcast at gmail.com. This is your Achmiel Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.